Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Clucks. I'm Javian. And I'm Tyler. And this is going to be a part one of a two-part series on uh, performance anxiety and a little bit of mental health and how to handle that. We're going to talk a little bit about how we've dealt with it in the past. Um, so let's get let's jump right into it. So Tyler, what are you drinking today? All right, so I still have the Costa Rica that I had on the first episode. I'm almost done with the bag now, uh, but it's starting to lose a little bit of its flavor because it's been, I guess, a week and a half or so. Yeah. But um, I'm going to show off my the Fox Restaurant mug. This was a, a good place in Jacksonville, Florida, where I used oh. to get breakfast occasionally. Duval. Come back home. That's right. Represent. Go Jags. Uh, but yeah, so still the same bag as last time. I should be done with that in a few days and I'll have new updates. But what about you, man? What are you drinking on? Um, so like you, I'm, I'm also continuing to drink from the, from the Perks Coffee, the Kenyan blend. Um, but you're witnessing this is the very last beans from the bag. So this will be my last of this particular um, brand of coffee. So next, our next episode, um, whenever we do that, I'm gonna have something fresh and new. Um, so I'm excited. So I can tell like it's been, you know, a week or two weeks. So, you, you know, the taste is not as um, flavorful as before, but it's still yeah. good stuff. So this is my last, you know, I was kind of sad as I put this in my grinder. And <laughs> I said, this is it. Um, well, speaking of that, can you, so you mentioned, I think last time we talked, um, that you use what a Chemex or you said something about that? Yeah, so I have a couple brewing methods. The one of them is a V60, and that's what I used on the first episode. And then today I use the Chemex. So for Chemex, I like to to use if my wife wants a pour over as well. So that's a little bit better for making more than just a cup of coffee. It's mm -hmm. good for like two or three cups. So if you're sharing it with somebody, that's a little bit better. And again, I like those brewing methods because they're a little bit cleaner. Mm -hmm. So if you like flavor in your coffee and kind of finesse, so to speak, <laughs> um, yeah, I would definitely recommend the V60 or the Chemex. Nice. And, and on that note too, you also, didn't you get a new grinder like a couple weeks ago or a month yeah, ago or something like um, that? I got a grinder uh, late this summer. Um, it's a, a Bodum. Um, grinder is uh, it's an electric grinder and I, I like it but I've been doing some experiment because there's not settings on there like a setting for coarse or a setting for fine or somewhere in the middle so it's a lot of kind of like trial and error and so you know you grind a little bit at a time so I do it like you know I'll count two or three seconds and then I'll look at the beans and then grind it some more kind of shake it up try to get all the beans to kind of be evenly grind um, but it's been working for me, but again, I've been doing some experimenting <clears throat> because there aren't any settings. So, um, but so far so good. Uh, I've been like watching videos and see if anybody has like recommendations on like how exactly how long to grind and all those different things. But I think I've kind of find, found a, a good, um, system to make sure everything's kind of grinded. Cause obviously we're going for a more coarse grind. Um, so we don't want to get it too fine. So that's why I'm trying to make sure like, that's why I do like the intervals of two. So I don't, so that it doesn't become too fine. I kind of want it to be really coarse, um, a coarse grind. So that's mm. what I do with that my grinder. Sense. Yeah. 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 Cause you do a lot of French press, right? Yes. Until yeah. I'm going to try to get a new, um, a Chemex or something so I can do my, my pour overs again. Um, that's right. maybe this Bring weekend I'll, I'll see if I can find something. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. See how that goes. Cool. Yeah. So performance anxiety. Mm, lovely topic, right? Lovely I'm already topic. nervous. Yeah. <laughs> My hands think, are already sweaty. Yeah. I think, you know, for musicians and not just musicians in many fields, um, I think every musician has either been affected by performance anxiety or if you haven't, you probably will at some point in your playing career. Or if you're a student, you'll probably at some point experience some nerves or performance anxiety. 
So like, what, how would you define like performance anxiety? Uh, well, I think from like a technical, like textbook definition, I think it's like your body's natural response to stress. And, um, a lot of it, I mean, it just depends individually too, like what stems that stress, you know, it can either be failure, you know, fear, fear of failure, uh, uncertain outcomes, things of that nature. And I think as performers, especially trumpet players too, we always wake up and wonder like, do I have it today? Is my face going to be together today? You know, we become so like self-conscious about that, um, that it, like it consumes your thoughts and your minds. So I think, I think it is a natural thing. You know, if you're in traffic, like for instance, when I used to live in Atlanta and I have to drive through downtown, like that was anxiety, like driving through like rush hour traffic because like cars are flying through like eight lanes and this and that, you know, so it occurs in many different ways and manifests uh, in many ways as well. So I think it's one identifying like, okay, this is my body telling me that you're about to enter in or you're entering into like a high stress situation for yourself. And then from there, I think it becomes you sitting down and figuring out, okay, why am I stressed out? Like what's triggering my mind to think like, oh my gosh, like you're starting to shake, your hands are getting sweaty. Um, you know, you got dry mouth, things of that nature. I mean, what about you? Like, how do you, again, like we're, we're not doctors and actually on our part two, we're going to bring a mental health uh, professional on. So we're, JV and I are basically speaking from the point of our perspective and what we've experienced. Um, so again, when it comes to the textbook, uh, we've looked up a little bit of definitions of it. And that's kind of, again, it's, it's uh, your body's natural response to stress. But um, so that's probably as far and as deep as we'll go on the medical side of it, again, because we are not doctors, so we don't want to put out false information. But Javian, as a professor and a performer, you know, what are your experiences with anxiety? Like, how do you deal with it, cope with it, teach it to students? You know, like, if, if students are dealing with this, like, how do you say, okay, this is this and it comes from this yeah it's it's a tough subject um as i said before i think all musicians probably deal with it on some on some level some more extreme and some not so much um for me personally um especially like i would say throughout high school and and a good bit of college um performance anxiety was not something i really dealt with there were a few occasions that I can still remember to this day where I had like almost a panic attack when I was about to perform or performing at the time. Um, and it, it was such a, a rare occasion for me that when it happened, I was like, what is happening to me? You know, um, it just kind of like blindsided me. It's like getting punched in the face. It's like, what is this? What is my body doing? Um, but I, I, I think kind of like what you said, it kind of goes back to um, this idea of wanting, or at least for me, this idea of wanting the, the perfect performance, you know, and the amount of pressure, depending on the, the situation which we're performing, I think the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves it creates that anxiety and sometimes it manifests in physical ways like shaking or you know fast heartbeat or sweating or dry mouth or anything like that so like when i my students you know i have them play in studio class often or you know do different performances to kind of recreate that that scene of putting them on the spot it's like all right we've prepared this etude for instance now let's go perform it and then just kind of see how they respond to it. And then we can have a, a conversation like what they felt, you know. And oftentimes what I've found is uh, their anxiety comes from fear, the fear of not knowing what's going to happen when they play. Because, I mean, and I completely understand that because even though, you know, we do all this preparation, preparation, there is this small percentage where even through all this preparation, we still don't quite know what's going to happen. We think we know, we've done the work and all those different things, but there is this small things like what's actually going to happen. And I think, especially being like a brass player and a trumpet player, you know, we're dealing with these very small muscles in our, our lips here. 
So it's like, I hope I have a good chop day. So that brings another like element into it. It's like, we want, when we're playing, we want it to feel right. We want it to feel a certain way when we're playing. And when it feels that way, it's like, all right, we're good. Like it's, you know, this performance can be fine. But it's, to me, it's the days where it doesn't feel like, you know, that perfect setup. Like, you know, when you're right in the groove and everything's working the that way sweet you want spot. to work. That sweet spot, exactly. And it's yeah. the performances or, you know, when we have to perform, when we're not feeling that sweet spot, that's when, especially when I, I have, and I, I've seen other, my, some of my students have that anxiety. It's like, I really don't know what's going to happen. Even though, again, you kind of have to trust the process. But I think from my experience, um, performance anxiety comes from the fear of the unknown, um, you know, holding yourself to like this perfect expectation, like it has to be perfect, which then goes into a whole nother discussion about ego. You know, I think a lot of that is ego because I, I can, I can tell you from personal experience. So like I said, you know, when I was in school, I really didn't deal with a lot of anxiety with just a few occasions. Um, but I think now that I've gotten older, I deal with it more because I think I feel that there's more at stake, which to me is somewhat ironic because, you know, I, I'm in a, a job, I have a job, you know, I, you would think that trying to get the job would have that, like, there's a lot at stake here. But I think now that I'm in a, a job in a position that everything has to be perfect, you know, be perfect, there's this high level of perfection that you want. So you add that extra layer of pressure, which feeds, in my opinion, feeds um, performance anxiety. So, you know, in the past, you know, year or two, I found myself dealing with more like performance anxiety, you know, and for me, I've been trying to figure out what helps me, you know, alleviate some of the stress of a performance. Um, but again, I think that does go to, you know, this, added layer of like striving for perfection or you know dealing with your own ego you know i think you know whenever i have students and they're performing i was like everyone in this room is rooting for your success you know this is not you know a sports league where everyone's you know people are rooting against you you know rooting for you to miss the shot no everyone is like literally cheering for you everyone wants you to sound as well as you can possibly sound so take that pressure off your shoulders and just play, you know? At the end of the day, you know, what we do, we have such a good gift and that is creating music. It's an art form. And there is, there's supposed to be this organic thing where when we're playing music and, and people are listening, it's, it's supposed to be this, this great relationship between the audience and the performer. And I think sometimes we forget that. You know, it's not supposed to be about the performer per se. It's always about the music, right? So, you know, it's something I like, I constantly tell myself, something I, I, I tell my students all the time. It's like, try to take your own self out of the equation and just play, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it, it is supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be an, an enjoyable experience. And I know sometimes, depending on whatever the situation it's hard for us to, to realize that, especially if you're like auditioning or you're doing like a recital for a job or, you know, you're performing for a competition where there's, there are physical things at stake. But at the end of the day, I think if we're, you know, you're programming ourselves, it's like, it's always about the music, it's supposed to be an enjoyable experience, regardless of the outcome. Then I think that kind of helps alleviate that. Um, but, you know, the performance anxiety is definitely a, a real thing and it, it is something hard to deal with. And again, for different people, it's a very extreme thing. I think we both know stories of professional musicians who play in major symphonies who have had to take time away from their jobs and try to figure out how to deal with performance anxiety. So. Yeah, it's, it's a real thing for sure. Um, no, and everything you said was was spot on, man. I think it the thing that resonated with me was you said the ego. Yeah. 
The ego, man, the silent killer. It's, it's true though. I mean, it's most of the time it's these self-created fears and thoughts that we think in our minds and then it, you know, destroys us, it destroys our performance. Um, it's, it's rough. And, you know, performance design is something that I've been experiencing for since like middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember middle school, we'd have these scale tests and be like, <laughs> why am I so nervous? You know, and some of it was because I cared too much about it, you know, and then in high school, kind of went away for a few years. And then I was dealing with a weird embouchure, playing off to the side and into the red and had a bunch of chop issues and stuff. And at the time, too, I had a lot of obligations with the school that I went to, the high school, I went to a performing arts high school and the demand for just like, we need it now, we need it now it destroyed me. It wrecked me. Like it, it made me a worse player and it put me in a very, very bad mental state of just constantly being nervous. I remember we'd always have lunch before we go to band and I was, I, I could barely eat my food, wow. you know, and this was like in high school. And then of course, then it stems to college. And I remember in studio class, just being a wreck, having to play. And especially when you're at a school that has, you know, masters and doctoral students who are fine players and then you have to go out and perform in front of them and I mean it was it was rough man and it started going away more once I got out of school and away from like that kind of environment and started freelancing and then it became more about the hang and um, the gigs didn't have like you said pressure so to speak like this I don't know if the pressure was like in the room or if it was just like from within, but like when I was freelancing and stuff, it was like very rarely did I get nervous. It would only be if there was like a tune that they called that I didn't know and I was like, uh, okay. But then it'd go by and it's, you know, it's whatever. And then at my masters, it got accelerated, but this is when I really tried to figure out how to manage it and how to kind of take control of it. You know, cause I started learning more and more about like, not self-help, but just, just ways of like fine tuning your thinking. And so some of this now will kind of inter- introduce, we can kind of talk about like how we can take control the best that we can. And some of this really is positive versus negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. You know, the thoughts that you believe or the thoughts that you think, and I believe that a hundred percent, you know, if you're constantly saying like, man, I suck. Or like you wake up and you're like, oh, I have a bad chop day. Like, oh my God, this is going to be bad. Chances are it's going to be bad because you're thinking those things. But if you say, you know what? It ain't really happening right now. That's okay. It's all good. I'm going to trust that things will be there. I've done the work. I've done the preparation. Like that kind of alleviates stress. You know, it's just like taking a breath in and then letting it out. It's like you're allowing yourself to like be okay with what's kind of happening. I don't know. Do you have some tips or advice or things that you've done personally to kind of work through. Cause you said you had some moments where you almost had a panic attack. So I'm just curious to see, like, I know everybody kind of, some people have like their traditions or their uh, routines before a big performance. Like, can you share some of that with us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think whenever I'm, I'm having, or if I'm anticipating like before the performance is where I feel the most anxiety it's like that 20 30 minutes before and as it's getting closer i feel it more so for me you know i've been a, a big believer in like meditating and in breathing and just thinking positive thoughts and try so, to, oh go ahead when you when you meditate like what are you like are you sitting down like i want like explain it like what yeah so like when i'm meditating and it's a combination of meditation and, and breathing typically i um i mean if i can sit i prefer to sit so now I'll just sit there and i'll just think about just beautiful thoughts i'm just thinking about sometimes i'm just singing through the music that i'm about to play just nice and easy very like almost operatic in my head and i'm just taking in deep breaths i'm just thinking about the positive work that I've put in to get to the point that I'm at. And again, as I'm doing this, I'm just doing a lot of deep, slow breathing just to like slow the heart rate as much as possible. And I'm just thinking, I'm like basically, you know, giving myself a million pats on the back, you know, and I'm just thinking nothing but positive thoughts 
breathing and I'm just doing that over and over just to kind of get any like negative thoughts out of my head, you know, try to get my ego out of my head, get all, just eliminate all the distractions and just focus on like what I, like I, what I said earlier in terms of it's about the music, you know, and I, you know, constantly remind myself, everyone in the room is cheering for you, you know, everyone wants to hear good music, you know, everyone, you know, wants to, you know, root for you, everyone's here to be your support system. And I just say these things to myself over and over as I'm taking in deep breath, you know, sitting down, trying to be as relaxed, you know, I put the trumpet away, still in the case, and I'm just trying to focus on like finding my center. And mm. then, you know, after doing that for a few minutes, usually that does help a lot with, at least for me. Um, so I, I just, for me, like, like I said earlier, I think it's about putting a lot of pressure on myself. So I'm trying to take that pressure off my shoulders and allow myself to be mortal and be a person rather than a machine who's like, it has to be perfect. And to me, I try to change that approach to like, it has to be musical. I think, and, and a lot of times I think I, there's been some like research that I've seen where it's something I, 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 I like to do is like, even when I'm performing, I think sometimes when we, when we're playing something or, you know, or a string player playing something, we get, we get super focused on like, oh, there's that lick is coming up. That lick is coming up. Oh, it's a measure way, you know, or it's like, you know, it's at the, it's at the start of the next page. And then we're like so far out of the moment, the musical moment that we just get super focused on this, these one little things that we are anticipating before they happen that's going to like trip us up right so it, it eliminates all the musical presentation that we're trying to do and we're just super focused on this one thing right which in my opinion causes a lot of anxiety you know or distractions on the stage and for me i tried rather than like super focusing on like one thing you know or like i'm playing something oh my articulation is not happening right now or oh my range is not happening right now for this this piece that i'm playing in the moment of the performance i try to think big picture all the time it's like oh here's a phrase here's the next phrase oh let me crescendo here we're going to this line here so i'm uh, i'm trying to change my mindset to be more about the overall musical presentation rather than like super focused on this like this one thing you know if i've done the work the preparation it's all here it's all under my fingers so i need to put myself in the mind space mind space where i'm thinking like big picture you know where's this phrase going where's this movement going where's the climax of this of this movement or this section of the piece you know so it eliminates a lot of the, the negative talk or the self-talk in the midst of the performance itself. So I, I, I found that to be very helpful for me. Um, do you have any things that you do to help alleviate your performance anxiety? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are all really, really good points. Um, so I think for me, it starts way before the performance and it comes from preparation. I think it starts from doing my homework and listening and figuring out, okay, what demands this piece or this recital or this concert has for me. And so then it's a, you know, it's like, oh, I have to play like super soft on this one. So then I start thinking, okay, I need to incorporate this into my practicing. Or it's like, oh, there's a lot of multiple tonguing, so I need to practice a lot more multiple tonguing and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I'll go through and look at a piece and say, okay, well, here are the licks, here are the chunks that I'll work on, do slow practice and kind of, as soon as I can get those under my belt, the stress is kind of go, goes away, you know, and I try to do that before the first rehearsal or, or things of that nature. So I think it starts with preparation because once you have and have prepared and kind of dug as deep as you can with the pieces that you're performing, you start to feel more comfortable with it. You know, the more listening that you do, and that's kind of to piggyback off of what you said is like, when you're in the moment actually performing, like you should know the piece so well that you're just like singing the melodies and singing the other parts in your head. 
And then therefore that will take your mind away from, oh, here comes that lick that I worked on for like a month. You know, instead of that, it'll be like, oh, here's this beautiful lick that I'm playing or this phrase or the cellist has this awesome part here. You know, so that kind of helps. And I'm actually doing that more in my practicing right now is a lot more singing like off the horn. And then when I play, trying to emulate that. And I think that's what I did a lot for uh, this Air Force audition that I won was when I got into the room and performed, it was literally just like, all right, next excerpt. Think about the tempo, think about the sound, context of where this excerpt fits into the piece, and then just singing it. And then having a short-term memory. So if something happens, it's gone, it's done. And I think right. that's what we have to remind ourselves is like, you touched upon this too, is that you're making live music. There's a raw human element to that. You know, this isn't like a studio recording where you're like, all right, stop, let's patch this one note, let's patch this three measures. All right, cool, moving on, it's gotta be perfected. It's like, if you listen to people's like live recordings, I mean, there's amazing things going on, but there's still mess ups, like they're yeah. still missing things. And that's like, that's okay. That's what makes it human. You actually listen to it and you're like, ah, okay. They deal with the same things I deal with too, but just less of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think realizing that it's going to happen, like you're not perfect, you're human and just accepting that and saying, you know, I'm going to prepare as best as I can. And where the chips fall, they fall and they land and just being okay with that. Cause again, it's about the overall process of like, you know, minimizing the amount of, I don't want to say mistakes, but like, look, if you're in the 98, 90 percentile of, of playing a piece and you're hung up on the 2% that you missed, it's like, okay, you got to let that go. Cause probably most people won't realize the 2% that you missed. It's just yeah. yourself. You know, that's why like, you know, they talk about like bad chop days and it's like, maybe you notice, but the other guys at the section don't, you know, like that's a good place to be in if your colleagues don't recognize that you're having a quote unquote rough chop day. So again, I think it starts with preparation. And then after the preparation, I do a lot of like the self-talk. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like build myself up before the performance and just say like, you got this, you've done the work, like just have fun. You know, I try to like think of positive thoughts and then also visualization. So this is something that I got a lot from Dr. Moore was like visualizing myself like playing the best that I can, like playing those licks that I feared, but like playing them amazingly with like no tension, just with ease. And like what that visualiz visualization does is actually relaxes your body. And now you're saying, okay, this is what it looks like to do it correctly and how I want to, and in, in the environment that I want to. Now I just have to go and do it. I think visualization is, is huge and critical. And I use that a lot for the audition as well, you know, doing mock auditions and, you know, trying to create the environment. And like you said, you do that with your studio class doing studio performances. I think that's, that's crucial because then all of a sudden that environment becomes normal. Like you're used to sitting in an orchestra, you know, it'll be interesting when everybody slowly makes their way back to doing gigs. Like I'm sure everybody's anxieties kind of go up because it's been a while since people are performed. And so they kind of lose that that edge that they have of like, oh, I'm just constantly like performing. So I'm used to like being thrown in the ringer. And now it's like, hey, six to six months to a year off. And now you're like, wait, I got to kind of relearn how to perform again. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think visual visualization helps. And then also, uh, like you said, breathing exercises. Recently, I've gotten into the Wim Hof method. And that might be a little intense before a performance, but I think doing some easy breathing, like you said, in and out, slow breaths, checking your heart rate, doing things of that nature will help a lot. I think also um, journaling too, mm -hmm. just making sure that like whatever you're feeling and you can do that post audition. I used to, um, during my auditions, I would uh, journal and write down, like I would record all the rounds and then I would make notes. And it was good because it would allow me to say, okay, this is what I heard. This is how I felt. This is how I feel now, you know, and it's interesting too, to like kind of look back on and see like what you're thinking and what you're going through. And I think with all these kind of methods, I think there's no one way to do it. I think everybody has to kind of figure out and experiment with what works for them. 
And I think that's the beauty of it all. It's like just throwing out content, like, okay, try this, try this, try this, see what works, see what doesn't. You know, there's also a lot of books out there too. And I've read, Don Green is an author who's written, I think, Performance Success, Audition Success, Fight Your Fear and Win. I think I probably have some behind me. So like reading about this stuff, like understanding that like most people go through it, like, and it's okay. Like, it's just a matter of like understanding what your body's doing and trying to gain control over it as best as you can. I think there's like a negative stigma to it. Like, oh, I, I'm dealing with anxiety. I have stress. I have all this kind of stuff. And we kind of view you as like not being put together. And it's like quite the opposite. It's like, oh, you're human. You're actually in tune with how you feel and like your emotions. Like, that's okay. You know, so educating yourself too on this topic, I think is really beneficial because now it's, Again, it's the same thing. It's like the more you know about it, the deeper understanding you have and say, okay, this is triggered from this. Cool. All right. I'm going to go through this routine that I go through that allows me to kind of get rid of those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions. And I'm going to exchange that with peace, with ease, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, you crushed it. You know, I was oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, you did. You did. Um, I agree with everything, you know, and th there's a book that I, I remember reading. It's been a while. I think I read it either in my master's or undergrad, Intergame, my tennis. Um, yep. That's a, a really good book. Um, there's a, uh, a music version of it, um, but I, I prefer, prefer the, uh, the original Intergame, my tennis um, that talks about this kind of the same thing that we're, we're um, talking about today. Um, but yeah, like in, in terms of like dealing with that, um, it's one of those things like performance anxiety is one of those things that there is no like pill for it. You know, it is, it does come down to the individual. So one, something that works for me may not work for other people. So it's really about, you know, if you're, if this is an issue that you're having, it's definitely something that you kind of have to look in the mirror and, and find out your why's like why is this is it the pressure is it you know being distracted is it you know whatever it is it could you know range from a lot of different issues but I think like you know what Tyler said in terms of like reading and doing a lot of research you really have to just kind of figure out your why's ultimately you know why is this a problem and then you know through meditation, breathing, and kind of go through, you know, and reaching out to other people who dealt with, you know, performance anxiety. Because I always say to my students, we are a community of people. We're all here to help each other, right? You know, I've never met a musician in my life where it's like, hey, how do you do so-and-so? Or, you know, what would you do for this? Like, I've never met a musician, um, at least not yet, not who would. I've never met a musician who was unwilling to offer like some helpful advice, especially if it's something like they've dealt with in their personal lives. So talking to other people, uh, you know, we just had our, our, we're in the midst of our first week of the semester here in Valdosta. So, you know, we had our first studio class at the, uh, a few days ago. Um, so, you know, I like always practice this class of like, all right, you know, we have our, 15 or 16 students in the room and I'm sorry everyone look to your left everyone look to your right look in front of you look behind you the people in this room are the people who are going to help you get through this program this is your support base right and when you're having issues these are the people you need to go to and talk to and figure it all out you know we are a community ultimately and there's, if you're having, you know, performance anxiety, there's so many people in our field, regardless of instruments. You know, I've talked to many of my colleagues who are string players, who are, you know, pianists, you know, about performing anxiety and things that they do. You know, we all have our things, you know. Um, you know, one quick story that I have, I, I remember the first time that I've ever like really dealt with performance anxiety to the point where it was like physically debilitating. I remember being in, I think I was in undergrad in a, a band rehearsal. So we were working on some piece and I had to play a solo. I think I was maybe a sophomore or junior. I think I was a sophomore. 
And our, our director asked me to play it because it was like a kind of like an onstage, offstage trumpet solo thing. So I was playing the offstage thing. Um, so he asked me to like to play it and he stopped rehearsing. Hey, can you two guys play your solo so I can hear it? And like, I remember like getting ready to play and like freaking out. And it was the first time this has ever happened to me. I'm playing and literally my right leg is shaking. Like it is like up shaking and I cannot control it. I'm trying to play while my leg is physically shaking. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking like, what is going on right now? So I can't focus on the music because I'm like, my leg is physically shaking. And I was like, I've never experienced this before. Um, so that was the first time it's like, okay, that's something new. Why did yeah. that happen? <laughs> yeah. So I had to ask the whys because that's not something I ever really dealt with. Um, cause I, I, at least I like to think I'm, I'm pretty like even kill when it comes to performances. I, I try not to take myself too seriously. So I think for this time, I really wanted it to be perfect because I'm playing in front of my colleagues and, you know, the director is there and there's another trumpet player who's playing his part. So I think I just, in that moment, I put so much pressure on myself for it to be like perfect. It has to be perfect at this time. And that like, it just really, you know, took me out of the music physically and mentally. Uh, so that's when I first like had to have that conversation, right? Why does this happen? And how do I deal with this if this ever happens again? Because for me, it's not something that happens consistently. It's like, I don't know when it's going to happen. So I need to know how to deal with it when it does happen. So it was definitely a learning experience. And, it, you know, we're always growing and we're always trying to figure out how to become better musicians and how to deal with the different um, variations, you know, variety of things that comes our, our way. Um, but, you know, going back to the meditation and, and a lot of the things that you, you, you mentioned about, you know, talking yourself up, the self-talk, the positive self-talk and, you know, and staying in the moment is, you know, I think the most, one of the most beneficial things that we can do in terms of dealing with performance anxiety. But it is a, a revolving door, I think, because um, th what might work for you today, you know, maybe a few years down the line, you have different values or different priorities, rather. So it may manifest, the anxiety may manifest in a different way. So I think it's going to be a constant, like, re-evaluating, you know, because I think my priorities now are very different from my priorities as an undergraduate certainly as a high schooler or, you know, a grad student. So I think, you know, performance anxiety is definitely something I personally, you know, have to like constantly be like tweaking my approaches of how to deal with it, you know, because like I yeah, said. Yeah, we think yeah. that, uh, you think that, okay, once I figure it out or solve it, it's, it's, done, it's done and it's not, it's like, it, you have to practice it. Mm -hmm. you know, this mindfulness, you have to practice it daily or, you know, whenever a performance comes up and it's, that's something that kind of gets lost too, is that like, oh, if I just figure out the secret to playing high notes, high notes will be there forever. And it's like, no, you got to work on it every single day, little bits at a time. And yeah. And then it, it changes too, you know, it's like, as you develop and grow in your career, certain performances might trigger it where others don't, you know, and then like you said too, it could become, you know, being a performer and then all of a sudden now you're a father and it's like, whoa, I got anxiety about being a father now or this and that, you know, and it's, it's always going to be there. Life is always going to throw you something, a curveball, whatever it is. And so, like you said, the more in tune you can be with you and knowing your tendencies. I think we talked about that last week a little bit with like exercise and nutrition, like all right, if I know I munch a lot and like to eat snacks, then the snacks that I eat need to be beneficial for me. You know, just like the same thing. Like, okay, if I know I have a performance today, I need to do like a light warm up. I need to do this. I need to read, you know, whatever it is to set you up, go for a run. Actually, before my audition for this job, I literally woke up in the morning 
and went down and ran on the treadmill because I typically like to exercise before I practice. And I didn't want to stop that routine going into that audition because I'm like, my body is used to like feeling those endorphins and then going to play. And I was like, I can't change it up. So it was like 6 a.m. down in the in the gym running and, and kind of just going through that. That is a process that I take to kind of like get in the zone, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a muscle that you got to work out and yeah. it's, it's tough. But again, I think when you let the stigma go and be like, Hey man, it's all good. This is something yeah. that everybody deals with to some degree, you know, and that it's not impossible. You can figure this out, but it will take time. If it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. You know, if it Absolutely. takes, a semester it takes a semester you know it's absolutely it's different for everybody man but yeah it's been something that has plagued me for a while and it's something that i still have to go through i mean even in my practicing sometimes i'll get nervous before i play something and i'm like why am i nervous i'm in my home right now like because i'm afraid it's going to sound bad and it's like who cares man get exactly. over it get over yourself you know exactly. it's like it doesn't matter doesn't so matter. With, with that said, man, like what are some resources? We talked a little bit about a couple books, but are there any other things that you have? I mean, I've got a few written down that I can share, but um, are there any, besides the inner game of tennis, have you read any other books or podcasts or um, things of that nature that have helped you in your journey? The inner game has been my primary source other than, you know, like I said earlier, reaching out to other musicians and, and, and hearing their approach which is kind of why I'm super excited. Um, as Tyler mentioned earlier, um, the part two of this performance anxiety um, series, we're going to be talking to a, a therapist who specializes kind of in like mental health and dealing with anxiety. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to her in our, our next episode. I think it's, it's, I've never talked to a professional <laughs> you know about yeah, me that is always musicians um so like you know we're always into you know talking to people outside of our you know like i said like we're both trumpet players so we like to talk to people outside the trumpet community so i'm really excited about talking to her because she may have some like great resources that i'm unaware of but what books have you read about performance anxiety yeah so I've read Inner Game of Tennis as well. Um, Don Green, again, the books that I mentioned earlier, I'll, I'll spit them out again. Performance Success, Audition Success, Fight Your Fear and Win. I recently reread a book called Effortless Mastery by Kenny Warner. Oh, that yes. was, I know that book. Yeah, yeah, that one was really good. Um, resonated me with me a lot, especially with what I'm dealing with coming back from an injury. And just kind of removing yourself from like the physical nature of playing your instrument and kind of taking a step back. Um, there's also a lot of good podcasts that are out there too. Uh, Bulletproof Musician is a podcast and they post videos. Some of them are short, like five or six minutes, but it's from like a doctor standpoint of mm. like, okay, if you're dealing with this or they'll interview, like I know Tom Hooten was in one of the interviews and nice talked about his process and like I know he has his own setup and his thoughts of like how he deals with big performances so that's a really cool podcast to check out uh let's see Rich Roll I'm into he's a like endurance vegan athlete kind of guy but he brings on a lot of professionals that deal with mental health and things of that nature because he was actually a uh, an alcoholic and so he had to pull himself out of that and kind of rewire his brain and his and his thinking. So he always brings on really great guests that kind of like stimulate, make you think a little bit differently of like, okay, how does this apply to what I do? Uh, Tim Ferriss is another person. He's kind of like, he wrote like Tools of Titans and he's always about like interviewing top performers and kind of getting inside their head and seeing like how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. So he's another person. And then ultimately for me, man, um, a lot of this too comes down to like from a personal standpoint, like my faith and like reading and just like trusting that like what I do is bigger than myself. So, you know, as many resources as there there are out there, you know, individually, like whether you have a religious belief or not, like I think it's important to figure out, like tap into something that is bigger than yourself because then like you said you, you kind of look at it and you're just like man this isn't 
like in the, the scope of things, this performance, yeah, it, it's something, but it's not everything. You know, it's like at the end of the day, I'm going to come home from that performance and I have an amazing wife, I have two cats, you know, it's like, it's all good. Yeah. The sun will rise tomorrow, you yeah, know, absolutely. like no worries. So well, hopefully it rises. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, <laughs> well, at that point, you know. 2020 yeah, has been man. a trip. 2020 has been on something. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, for real, for real, man. Um, so before we wrap up the podcast, um, what have you been checking out this week? Music-wise, book, podcast-related, whatever. Yeah, um, so I've been kind of checking out two things. Um, one, I, I love, I, I might have mentioned this last episode, but I, I love hip-hop, R&B, um, just like good music, regardless of the genre. Um, yeah. So I've been listening a lot at least this week, I've been listening to um, this hip hop group out of, I believe they're out of Brooklyn called Phony People. Uh, I'm not sure if you know them, but uh, I'll check that out. They're great. So if you look it up, it's like Phony F, um, it's not F, sorry, P H O N Y, and then they abbreviate people okay. like P P L. So it's Phony People. Um, good group out of uh, Brooklyn, hip hop, R&B, kind of fusion, jazz, like it's, it's kind of all in there. So I've been checking this group out. Um, I have their album on Spotify. Great group. I love their album. Um, they also did a um, the M NPR Tiny Desk concert. So if you want to check them out live, they're there and it's a really good show. Um, and I also been checking out one of my uh, friends. He's um, Trump professor at um, University of Central Florida, Jesse Cooks. Um, I have his he gave me his uh, his new project, his new CD called Imagine Conversations, um, and he's commissioned some works on that on that CD. Uh, but Jesse Cook is a, a fantastic trumpet player. Um, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Ooh, has that chops. guy never gets tired, yeah, man. He has, he has <laughs> chops for days. Um, yeah. If he hears this, he'll probably text me and with like a LOL. But uh, <laughs> I've been checking yeah, out his great. new I've been checking out his new CD, Imagine Conversations. I also believe if you want to check it out, it's on Spotify and it's probably on Apple um, or iTunes that you can purchase it there. Um, but it's great. So, I mean, I'm, I'm working through it now, um, but so far, like, it's definitely killing. And it's a lot of, so a few new works on there as well that I've never heard of. So it's a lot of cool things on there. What are you, what are you listening to? Cool, man. Uh, so revisited some old favorites sean jones uh listening to him again some of his older stuff like his roots album yeah that i remember it's it's interesting you listen back to music and it kind of brings back memories of mm -hmm. like oh man i remember like being in high school and like yeah. driving my car like listening to this album and so i've been checking him out again and then jacob collier uh so he i guess he's had like been putting out some music mm -hmm. uh bits at a time on youtube but yeah i just yeah, his new stuff man it's just yeah. so and it's and he's kind of working with some of these pop artists mm -hmm. and it's oh my gosh it's like when he takes what he does and tones it down just a little bit to make it like pop vibey and then incorporates like maybe 10 10 percent of what he does into it and it's like unreal the, the best version of pop music <laughs> yeah for real like you listen to that and you're like oh man this stuff is is killing yeah that's awesome Absolutely. yeah that dude's yeah. incredible so and sean, and sean jones is an incredible trumpet player yeah yeah exactly um and then i actually watched i don't know if you've heard of this it's called the weight of gold mm -mm. it's a documentary that hbo just came out with interviewing ironically olympic ath athletes and about the mental health issues that they mm. face so if you have access to hbo or can do a trial i highly recommend it. i think the documentary is like an hour and Michael Phelps is the narrator but it goes in a deep dive into all these athletes that you recognize from the games and it talks about how their mental health is just in the pits and how like what happens after they're done you know because their career has has a time stamp you know mm -hmm. it's only for x amount of years and then they're like what do I do and they're not set up for success and how to how to go from Olympic athletes to just like almost like civilians they call it like going back into the civilian world so it's really interesting to see like what they deal with and how it's like they train four years for like one moment 
mm-hmm. you know, which is like hard to fathom. It's like, could you imagine working four years for just one audition? Yeah. You know, I mean, in some regards we do that because we practice every day and we do those things for those moments. But like for them, it's like, they drop everything, you know, mm-hmm. they talk about financially how like they only make like a couple thousand bucks a month that they have to live off of. And it's just a lot of those athletes come out in debt and it's, it's interesting. So the weight of gold recommend of gold. checking that out. So I think what we'll do is since we named a lot of resources in this episode, perhaps we can, um, put these in our, our description box so people can yeah put those in the show notes to, yeah yeah we'll we'll yeah. add that so you can have access or because i know we've been naming a lot of different things so we'll we'll put it in the description box and then you can look it up for yourself or check it out for yourself um do you have anything else are you done with your cup of coffee i am man i am and uh yeah I've well good it. so 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 am i so we want to thank you guys again for listening to another episode of Coffee and Clarks. And again, this is part one of a two-part series. Next time, we're going to do another deep dive into performance anxiety because we think it's so important. And we're going to have uh, a friend of mine who's a therapist, and she's going to give her, oh, give us her perspective of like what performance anxiety is, how to deal with it, or any other um, tidbits she wants to offer us. So we're really excited about having her on our next episode. And in the meantime, please uh, subscribe to our YouTube account and Instagram account and Facebook at Coffee and Clarks. Uh, subscribe and, you know, give us five stars only if you worth it. If you think, you know, we're worth it, you know, no pressure. Um, yeah, we're also on uh, Apple Podcasts too. So oh yeah, check, check us out on Apple Podcasts. You know, subscribe and give us five stars. Um, Tyler, where can we find you, your personal account on social media? Yeah, so Facebook, just type in my name, Tyler Duncan, and then Instagram, Tyler Duncan ninety one. I went back and looked. There is no W in there. So. <laughs> I and think that's your email. email. Yeah, that's your. Yeah, email. it is my email. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now they know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Nerdy Prof, um, and on Facebook, just my my name, JVN Brabham, and I think that's it. Yeah, Instagram and oh, Facebook. Yeah. So check us out and we will be having part two of this series very soon, hopefully within a week or so. Um, But thank you guys again. And thank you for having a cup of coffee with us. Cheers, man. Cheers. Bye. Bye.